It is the year of the Paris Olympics and the top names in athletics are eyeing up those medals, but there's plenty of action before then. The indoor season is wrapping up nicely, but who will end up on top? I'm Matt King. And I'm Kieran Richardson. And welcome to the brand new That Athletics podcast. Well, this is going to be fun, hopefully. Definitely excited to see what lies ahead for this new adventure. We are new to this whole podcast world, so bear with us and hopefully everything goes smoothly. Yeah, we're uh, slightly rookie and amateur at this, but we are going to give it a, a whirl. And we should just set off at the top. Uh, so I have been a, a big fan of athletics for, well, several years now. Uh, so quite sort of experienced in the world of track and field. Um, and my co-host here is relatively new into the world. Yeah, yeah, relatively new. few years, I think, now. Gone to a few events and really enjoyed it. So hopefully this, you know, expands my knowledge a bit more and maybe test yours a bit more too so yeah and the reason we kind of wanted to do this is you know one we are fans of the sport and two figured there was not that much out there at the moment in terms of uh, podcast coverage of the sport uh, there are a few sort of running podcasts a few things tailored specifically to american track and field uh, what we really wanted to do is do a kind of broad look across the whole sport every country every event so focus on track and also on on the field events that sometimes don't get the same coverage they perhaps deserve um and just give you a sort of weekly update on what's happening our reflections on it Um, and as kieran said hopefully teach some of those people that are not such avid fans a few things and you'll enjoy what we've got to say or disagree which is you know cool too (laughs) more part of it i think and i think the main thing is to have a bit of fun and should be fun yeah, so we're going to slightly f- figure this out on the fly. Uh, this is episode one, and let's crack on. So, indoor season getting tasty and exciting, but first, some notable news. Um, wow, Holloway in Albuquerque in the 60-metre hurdles, 7.27. Yeah, so an amazing time from Grant Holloway, already the 60-metre hurdle world record holder, having ran 7.29 twice in Madrid in 2021 and at the World Indoor Championships in Belgrade in 2022, has come out very hot this Olympic year. Uh, ran five overall fastest times this year as of recording. We should just say we're recording on the 25th of February. Uh, so yeah, that's 7.27 in the US Champs in Albuquerque. A bit of a sign and uh, laying down a marker for the rest of the world. Showing his intent, I think, um, looking hot. Has got a bit of a, probably a bit of a reputation in previous years of underperforming when it comes to some of the big finals, particularly outdoors. Um, but yeah, definitely starting the season about as well as he could probably hope for. I was going to say, from what I see, that looks, you know, what a great start to this whole season. And moving on to the outdoor season and the Olympics is, you know, goals in the later this year. Um, yeah, great start from Holloway. Yeah, I think Grant obviously looks so far ahead of the rest of the field at the moment. Uh, that that world indoor title is probably his for the taking, unless you know it's the hurdles, so anything can happen. There can be incidents in the race, uh, you know, injuries. Uh, but it looks like that's probably his to lose. I think the challenge for for Grant is probably going to be whether he can take that form into the outdoors and really nail it for that 110 meter hurdles at Camp Paris in the summer. Yeah, definitely, especially with more. Americans getting involved, the Jamaicans, you know, you've got Parchment, he was looking great last year. It's going to be a real challenge for Holloway to make sure he keeps ahead of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
definitely there'll be probably a, a stronger kind of field to, to challenge him when it comes to the outdoor season. Part of the challenge always in the American team is they have such strength in depth. You've got to actually get through those US trials and make the team. We assume he will do that. Um, but for sure, there's going to be a stronger American contingent when we come to the outdoors, whether it's Trey Cunningham, Daniel Roberts, Cordell Tinch. Yet to see what Devin Allen's going to do this year. Obviously, has been sort of trying that uh, sort of crossover between American football and sprint hurdles. Uh, but definitely uh, going to be a competitive event as we go into the outdoors. And for sure, the Jamaicans always come strong. And Hansel Parchman has beaten uh, Grant on the world stage before and is definitely going to want to do the same again this year. Well, that's all lining up to be a really tasty outdoor season. So that's something to look forward to. But yeah, indoor, it's definitely, we think, Grant's, unless, like you said, anything goes wrong. Yeah, which is always, you know an opportunity that that does happen in the 60 hurdles and someone else can get in there and snap it up which is why the hurdles can be such a an interesting and exciting event um, so we shall see i guess that's why we love athletics because it comes down to that one one chance and if you blow it you blow it absolutely like you know he's the best this year looks unbeatable but the the race isn't run on paper it's who turns up and does the best on the day and things can happen and staying with the hurdles um Devin Charlton, 7.67 in New York, but also Tia Jones, 7.67. Wow, we've got competition on our hands, I think. Yeah, definitely. And more surprising, perhaps, than the Holloway world record. Uh, That record had stood uh, to Susanna Kaller of Sweden. Uh, She ran 7.68 in Karlsruhe in 2008, so 16-year-old record wiped off the books. Uh, yeah, you'd perhaps said maybe Toby Amasan would have been the one to break it if someone was going to break it. Um, but, you know, great for the sport, great for the event that we've got uh, Devin Charlton of the Bahamas coming through, running that 767 uh, and yet another American, uh, seemingly a forever, just a sort of production line of great sprint hurdlers coming out of the US and Tia Jones, the latest, smashing that uh, or equaling that world record of 767. Sets the event up really nicely for, you know, the World Indoor Championships in Glasgow. Um, we'll have a preview of that coming uh, soon, although I'm um, not sure that Tia Jones is going to be competing for the, uh, the US at that event. Um, but then going on to the outdoor season as well, really, uh, you know, when you throw Toby Amerson back in the mix, all the uh, good American hurdlers, uh, Jamaica with Danielle Williams, set, set to be a really strong event uh, this year, looking ahead to the Olympics. Uh, exciting stuff in all the sprint hurdles, I think. So as we've seen the 60 metre men's and women's hurdles, world records be beaten. We also have seen recently the 400 metre men's and women's world records broken. Yeah, so hot off the press actually. Just last night, uh, a bit of a shocker in the men's 400 metres uh, coming out of the US, the collegiate SEC indoor championships uh, with Christopher Morales-Williams. Um, and also we obviously saw Last weekend in the women's uh, 400 metres, Femke Bowl running that uh, great time in Appledorn in the Dutch Championships. So that's three times this year, sub 50 for Bowl. That is impressive, right? Yeah, so that's obviously incredibly, like, incredibly fast. Very few women have run sub 50 in history and she seemingly does it with ease now. Uh, That new world record, 49-24, knocking a couple of hundredths off. Uh, her time from the same meet actually last year uh, where she ran 49.26 in Appledorn. Uh, you know, I think obviously the training setup they've got there is must be fantastic. Like Lika Klava pushing her on in training all the time and she sits second in the world this year just outside 50 seconds herself. So 
can't be bad when you've got someone like that pushing on in training every day. No, absolutely. They're, whatever they're doing there, they're doing absolutely right. You know, last year looking good, this year looking good, you know, it's going all the right direction. So I think, you know, if everything goes to plan, it should be another, you know, quite an easy, hopefully, win for her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, she looks like she's probably got the world indoors in the bag. We'll see what she decides to do come the outdoor season, whether she goes down the hurdles route, whether she goes down the 400 flat route. Um, but whatever she chooses, I'm sure she'll be right up there uh, in it. And I think the Netherlands have got to be pretty optimistic for their their 4 by 4 team. A bit of redemption, maybe, after the Budapest incident with Femke Bol stumbling at the line in that mixed 4 by 4 Yeah, yeah, we were there, weren't we? So we saw that... Um live in person and yeah I think there's they they should have won that easily but little instant and you know but that's what we said earlier that's you know what can happen one night in athletics yeah exactly I mean obviously they then came back and redeemed themselves in the women's 4x4 at the end of that program but I think there'll still be a bit of a uh, feeling of them wanting to go out there and redeem themselves um but yeah, I mean, obviously a fantastic start to the year for, for both those Dutch athletes, but Femke Bowl in particular, uh, improving her own world record there. Definitely, definitely. And like you said, we'll see what she chooses to do in the outdoor season. But I think either way, she's uh, on the right on the right track for sure. Wow, Christopher Morelles Williams. That came out of nowhere, didn't it? It's, woke up, didn't we, this morning and we saw that. And it's, yeah, out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, probably a new name even for sort of some of the bigger athletics fans out there. This is not one that we'd have seen coming. Um, 44-49 overnight in the SEC uh, championships uh, for the Canadian. Uh, He's a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Georgia. Uh, He opened his indoor season this year uh, with a PB of uh, 46.05 and has you know, knocked chunks off that over the last couple of weeks, uh, running 44-49, beating the old world record that belonged to Karen Clement, uh, 44-57. That's a 19-year-old world record. So uh, the 19-year-old sophomore beating that 19-year-old world record. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it'd be very interesting to see what he can do later in the year come the outdoor season. But that is a a new name and very exciting to, to watch. Definitely one maybe to keep our eyes on how young he is, you know, plenty of space to grow into amazing professional athlete yeah absolutely you already had some success at the junior levels uh, for Canada be interesting to see like sometimes we've seen in the past some amazing times out of the US collegiate system that for one reason or another those athletes then are never quite able to reproduce those those times and those distances when it comes to international meets outside of the US um so we'll see, um, you know, those those college uh, seasons take take their toll. There's a lot of back-to-back racing in quite short succession, uh, but definitely an amazing, amazing run coming slightly out of nowhere um, and, and exciting for sure. Talking about fast times, not quite a world record as you've informed me that it's, you know, it's not, it's not a um, championship run um, race, but a world best for sure, a 300 metres Tobogo. Wow, that was fast. Yeah, so let's see later Bogo of Botswana running a 30.69 over the 300 in uh, Pretoria, surpassing Wade van Niekerk's old world best uh, 30.81 from Estrava back in 2017. So 
showing some very good early season uh, form out there in South Africa, uh, a favourite destination for many of the athletes uh, in the off-season uh, to go and get a bit of warm weather training in uh, and already looking very, very sharp. Yeah, and, you know, 100, 200 metres. Drekkenil, you know, he's done a few 400 metres, but maybe go towards that direction in his career as he gets a bit older. Yeah, so as you say, still quite a young athlete. Uh, and over the last couple of years, his 1 and 200 times have been getting you know much better every year and is now really amongst that top elite tier in the world had some great performances last year at those world championships out in budapest uh, so i imagine he won't want to move away from those events this year but it definitely i would expect him to be you know, very encouraged by that time and we've already seen him run a couple of really fast 400s um, but no doubt sort of this will make him think perhaps about doing a few more of them in the future um, and particularly as he gets slightly older because still as i say a very young athlete as he develops a bit more of that kind of speed endurance, definitely those 400 meter sort of times and world records might might be on the cards. Yeah, definitely. And some names to mention, along with the uh, 300 meters, where Michael Johnson ran 30.85, and you know we have Bolt at 30.97. So already ahead of them. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the future, where where he sticks with 100, 200, then slowly moves on to maybe a bit longer to 400. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a bad uh, list when the previous top three in the world at the 300 metres were Van Niekerk, the current 400 metre world record holder, Michael Johnson, the previous two and 400 metre world record holder, uh, and Usain Bolt, the current one and 200 metre world record holder, obviously. Uh, that's a pretty good list uh, of athletes that you're beating there at such a young age as well. Uh, it's, it's pretty scary to think what he could could do. Definitely, definitely. So another race not ran so often, the two miles. Um, Josh Kerr in New York, smashing in world record. Well, world best, right? Yeah, so uh, eight minutes, 0.67 at the Armory in New York in that World Indoor Tour gold meet there. As you say, two miles, not often ran. We often see the 3K uh, run indoors. Uh, so that previous world best in the two miles, Mo Farah's 8.03.40 from Birmingham back in 2015. Uh, so not only obviously beating the world best, but that previous British uh, record for Josh Kerr there uh, really sort of just blew away the field in the past and the final few hundred metres uh, there showing some of his uh, speed and strength endurance. Uh, I know he did a, a half marathon just uh, just before the new year out in San Diego. Um, so definitely has that kind of full range of uh, speed and strength endurance kind of background to employ and looked really good there running that eight. Uh, eight minute time out in New York to be that previous world best you know talking about that endurance holding on with Grant Fisher to the last few laps and then just obliterating it and going off you know we saw him last year in Budapest do that um, so you know he's carried on that form from last year into this year and have, has a great finish to him um, talking about last year and um, what finish that was in Budapest um, there's some interesting news that's come out recently, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a particularly well-kept secret that there's not a lot of love lost between uh, Josh Kerr and uh, Jakob Britson or Jakob Britson and a few of his competitors. Uh, I don't think Jakob was overly impressed by that eight-minute uh, run out in New York, uh, it's fair to say, based on some of the things that he's had to say to the Norwegian press. What what were some of those things that um, Britson had to say? Uh, so I think he said that it's very positive for him that his competitors uh, are getting better so that he doesn't have to run alone. Um, you know, he has run the two mile distance outdoors himself running 754 
Um, so based on that, I think he feels that that eight-minute time from from Josh out in New York is not too much for him to be worried about. Um, you know, he said that he would have beaten him in that race in New York blindfolded, um, but that it's good that people are running better than they've done before. So, yeah, it just continues that sort of that's what's the, bubbling away under the storyline from last year. Really, that you know he's got a good rivalry going on before. Uh, Kerr is Whiteman, now it's Kerr, you know, Britson wants wants to maybe, you know, on the final stage, produce that really good result, and he's been denied now twice. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting tasty, and we, we're excited to see what happens later in the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked a bit about it with Grant Holloway off the top, didn't we, about how you can start to get a reputation um, as not quite finishing the job when it comes to the major championships. Like Jakob, obviously a phenomenal athlete over a range of distances, has run uh, some really quick times, has got lots of records to his name. No one would sort of contest that he's a fantastic athlete. Um, Perhaps hasn't quite delivered over the last few years at, at the top level. You know, has still won gold medals in some events but has lost those last two 1500 world finals as you say uh must be getting slightly sick of the sight at the back of that team gb vest uh crossing the line in front of him um but you know i think knowing or seeing some of josh kerr's character that those comments are not going to uh particularly phase him either uh, and it just sets up for a really tasty uh outdoor season to come Jakob, obviously uh not running indoors uh picked up a bit of an injury um, so we will we will see uh, how he looks uh, as we move to the outdoor season. Yeah, and something to look forward to, and you know, I guess it gives everyone a bit of competition, and you know, gives that boost maybe that some people need when athletes start maybe talking or you know doing a bit better on field or track. Either way, um, yeah, it gives them a push maybe to really, really do their best. Yeah, you know, it, it's Olympic year. Most of them. That is enough motivation in itself. But when your competitors are, you know, going out and saying some things and talking the talk, uh, it, it can't harm you in terms of being that extra motivating factor to to want to go and train that one or two percent harder. Um, and, you know, did, deliver your best on the track and hopefully go and go and put them to the post and, and get that gold medal. Moving away from world record watch and notable times um some sad news in the athletics world where we have lost kelvin kiptum the world record leader for the marathon yeah so very sad news uh coming out uh a couple of weeks ago so kelvin kiptum as you say the world record holder in the men's marathon died uh, unfortunately in a road traffic accident uh, at the age of just 24 uh, along with his coach who was also in the car um, uh, died at the, in the accident. Uh, Kevin Kipton, obviously a, a fantastic athlete, uh, quite new still to the marathon, making his uh, marathon debut just in December 2022, uh, clocking a sub 202 uh, to win in Valencia there, uh, and just within a year smashing the world record uh, in Chicago, running that two hours 35 second time, uh, and also now holds the the London marathon course record. Uh, so got to grips with that event really quickly uh absolutely smashed it uh got ever closer to that two hour mark that is seen as the sort of you know this this magical barrier in the marathon that nobody has ever got but we are now getting so close to and sadly we'll never get to to know or see for sure whether calvin kipton would have been able to 
to do that. I mean, it kind of feels like he was heading that way. Yeah, um, heading in the right direction for that sub too. And such a shame at that young age, you know, the potential that could have been, you know, that sub two was there. And like you said, going in the right direction, such a shame. Lost such a great athlete. Yeah, a, a big loss to the sport. Um, the marathon and an event where typically a lot of athletes go to it quite late in their careers uh, or really don't produce their best times until into their 30s. Uh, and, and he was running those fantastic world record times at the age of just uh, 23, 24. So, you know, as I say, we won't know, we won't ever know, but feels like he probably would have been the first to go sub two. Um, you know, he will still have a fantastic legacy, um, but uh, sad that, you know, as you say, we perhaps will never know his full potential. Yeah, so he'll be very missed in the athletic circuit and, yeah, all our thoughts with his family and friends. Elsewhere in other news, um, Shelley Ann Fraser-Price plans to retire after the Paris Olympics. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's that surprising Shelly Ann Fraser-Price age 37 now has kind of won everything there is to win has been quite vocal and honest about you know she's she had a little boy back in 2017 not so little anymore um wanting to spend more time with her family and kind of conflicting you know the, the time demands on her of training to be a full-time professional athlete versus spending time with her family um i think finally calling it uh, a day after a fantastic fantastic career 100 meters personal best 10.6 in lausanne in 2021 yes that was a third on the all-time list uh still in in the 100 meters uh i think that's her best event it's where she's had the most success obviously known as a bit of a pocket rocket uh and has has won everything there is to win uh, over the 100 meters uh, but also very accomplished athlete over the 200 meters haven't seen her much indoors but also has has that one 60 meter uh world title to her name from Sopot back in 2014 uh as well yeah and then also 200 meters personal best in Kingston in her home country set in a 21.97 back in 2021 21.79 yeah so very quick um yeah you know, and i think the fact that both her 1 and 200 pbs were set back in that 2021 season just just a few years ago um well into her 30s post childbirth like an incredible athlete and an incredible career spanning well going back 16 years now to her first olympic gold uh, medal there back in beijing 2008 um, you know, has has won everything there is uh, to win. Defended that hundred meter gold in London in twenty twenty twelve. Has won medals, you know, four Olympic games uh, with those medals in Rio uh, and more recently in Tokyo as well, where she was part of the four by one hundred gold uh, medal winning relay team. But also took another silver in the hundred um, and has won five golds uh, at the worlds over hundred as well. So just you know, phenomenal athlete and will be hard. Hard shoes to fill in the hundred. Uh, you know, like you said, from two thousand nine in Berlin, all the way until Eugene in twenty twenty two. You know, it shows you know what a career, what she's had, and you know to do it after having a child, and you know, 
dedicating time to training and still smashing it, you know, being at the top athletes in that in that discipline, you know, it shows incredible, incredible um, discipline and training and yeah. Yeah, and I think like go out while she's still at the top. She's still an incredible athlete. Now she can retire. She's got nothing else left to prove, nothing else left to win. She can retire, go and spend her time with, with her family um, and will be forever remembered as, as one of the best to do it in, in the sprints. It's not over just yet. You know, we've got this year, got the Olympics. Hopefully she goes out with a bang. For me, it's really exciting when I see her lining up. You know, you know you're going to get a good result out from her. And yeah, hopefully she goes out with a bang and all the best to you, Shelley. Next up on Notable News is we have a suspension, um, Mohamed Katir. Do you want to go into that a bit? Yeah, so Mohamed Katir uh, unfortunately handed a two-year ban after the Athletics Integrity Unit uh, announced that the Spanish middle distance runner had admitted uh, missing three drugs tests. Uh, so this is the uh, sort of protocol where if you miss three drugs tests over a one-year period, uh, you receive a ban. So he is now banned until uh, 6th of February 2026. You know, it's unfortunate. It's one of those where athletes can kind of contest that they haven't actually tested positive, but the rules are the same for everyone and pretty clear and everyone gives their kind of whereabouts information and it's their responsibility at the end of the day. Um, So I think, you know, the rules are the rules and he's admitted that he, you know, missed those three tests, so has to pay the penalty, um, which will mean obviously missing this, not just this indoor season and the Paris Olympics, but also the Worlds in Tokyo uh, next year in 2025. um, And and we'll see how he comes back in, in 2026. But it's also one of those things that, potentially is is always going to cloud your career so disappointing news really um but we won't dwell on that uh there have been lots of good performances on the track that we want to focus on and and in the field of course uh, so we've discussed some of those world records but that's not all that's been happening there have been a whole host of uh, good times distances heights etc already this year uh so kieran where do you want to kick us off i think we should start with julian alfred um, coming out of the University of Texas, her first professional year, um, running a 6.99 in New York and then getting a 22.16 in Albuquerque. You know, she's looking really good. Yeah, absolutely. So coming hot out the blocks, uh, one of those uh, few athletes in history to run sub seven over the 60 uh, and already laying down a, a really good marker in the 200 there, um, as you say, out in Albuquerque. Uh, you know good signs again heading to the outdoor season I think she was being sort of thrown around in the list of five or six athletes that could win medals at Budapest last year and perhaps after a long collegiate season by the time she got to Budapest slightly ran out of steam and might be a bit disappointed um, in how that went for her Um, but you know hasn't got quite the same demands of the collegiate season uh, this year having turned pro as you say um, hopefully sort of slightly gauge her efforts and build up momentum towards uh, Paris and really deliver on the big stage uh, this year. Um, but definitely some really good times already. Yeah, I look forward to see what the Sunday she could do this year. Um, I think the next notable performance is, is, you know, we've got to talk about the Ethiopian women absolutely dominating that 1,500. 
Yeah, so they, you know, the Ethiopians stacking the world top list at the moment, taking the top six performances, uh, all running sub 359, headed by Frawani Hailu's uh, 355.28. You know, Faith Kip Yegon is the, the best in the world at the 1500 at the moment. There's, there's no doubt about that. But um, with the Kenyan not running this indoor season, uh, the Ethiopians have stepped up to the plate in the world indoor tour um, and every kind of middle distance event the Ethiopians are, are sort of stacked in those fields and been producing some fantastic times and the women's 1500 perhaps where they've been been the most dominant with you know a whole host of athletes looking you know re- really dangerous uh, and, and whoever they take to, to the major competitions the major championships this year you know beating Kip Yegon is probably going to be a bit of a tall ask but th- but they're definitely going to be there or thereabouts in the mix. Do you think uh, Kip Yegon is concentrating for later in this year, the outdoor season in the Olympics, is that why is she not running the indoor? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, Glasgow, the World Indoor Championships, it, it's a great thing, great accolade to be able to say you're the World Indoor Champion. But for, for all these athletes that have got serious uh, aspirations and, and kind of intentions on being on the, those uh, the medal rostrum come Paris that is definitely the, the, the main focus this season uh, and what they're sort of ramping up towards there are a whole host of names not competing at all uh, in, indoors and, and she is one of them um, and no doubt will be back come the outdoor season and very hard to beat again Sticking with the track just for a little bit longer um, and I promise we'll get to a load of field events soon um Erin Knighton getting twenty point two one in Levan, is that how you say it? Yeah, I think I think we're going with Levan. Um yeah, good good effort. Um yeah, twenty two one for Knighton. I think that was his first ever two hundred meter uh, indoor race and I know certainly on the broadcast he didn't have a a registered PB. Um so to go out there and lay down a twenty two one in your first go at the event is a uh, pretty impressive. Obviously you know, when we talk about outdoor times, we're looking at sub sub twenties. That twenty point two one perhaps doesn't look remarkable, but in terms of indoor two hundred meter uh, running, that is very up there um, and definitely a, a good start to the season. Yeah, definitely, that's a great start to the season. Um, I'm moving on to a bit of a shorter distance. Um, Noah Lyles absolutely dominating, carried on from last year from his world champs. Um, 6.43 in Albuquerque, 6.44 in Boston. You know, he's just looking sharp as he finished off last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Lyles talks the talk uh, and for now he's still walking the walk. Um, you know, perhaps his biggest kind of question mark has always been his start um, and therefore the 60 has never really been his best event. Very much kind of... You know, has made his money as the 200 meter runner that has now sort of dropped down and steadily improved and become one of if not the best in the world over the 100 um the 60 perhaps not naturally his best event but has been doing a lot of work on his start um and paying off with that that 643 world lead in albuquerque yeah i think that's you know really good start to the outdoor season going ahead um like you said there's always been a question mark about start but is he not proving it now in the 60 meters you know absolutely dominating it takes it into the outdoor season he's going to be flying yeah I mean I think he's proving that he's still incredibly fast right like his start has got better it's still not the best in the world I don't think or particularly close to it but he 
is fast enough and better enough when he reaches that top speed that over 60 metres he can catch and pass the field and, and still be the quickest uh, in the world. I mean, you know, we're talking about him being the world leader at 6.43. He's got a lot of close competition uh, this year. It, it, he's not sort of miles ahead of everyone else on the world lists, but definitely a good start. Who are some of his competition? Coleman, right? Yeah, so Christian Coleman, the, the current world record holder over the 60, is you know looking good. Not anywhere near that world record form yet this year, but just a uh, one one hundredth behind Noah Lyles at six forty four, uh, also in Albuquerque. Um, but you know it, it's not just an American party. We've got Akeem Blake there as well. Yeah, getting in at six point four five in Boston. Also good competition to keep you know everyone on their toes going into this yeah championship. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, when we come to the outdoor season in, in Paris, there's going to be, well, first of all, real stiff competition to make the team in both Jamaica uh, and the US. But also once they're there, that those finals in, in the sprints are no doubt going to be one of the hot tickets uh, again. And also, you know, we're not just talking about uh, the US and Jamaica. We talked about Tobogo earlier. There'll definitely be other names um, sort of pushing to get in the mix. We could also, obviously we haven't mentioned him much, but, you know, Fred Curley, interesting what he can do this year bit of a disappointment season last year yeah so I I think Fred's had a tough couple of years um has raced relatively sparingly and when he has he hasn't looked like the Fred Curley that has dominated previously um has raced sparingly again this indoor season but when he has raced hasn't looked fantastic um definitely work to do a few months to do the work but you know, we are already at the end of February and those months are going to tick by. So we'll see. Yeah, be exciting, especially with how hot on the pace Noah is, you know, going to push Fred and the others. And maybe, who knows, who knows? Dare I say it, world record? Who, who knows? We'll have to see. And something to get excited about. Definitely. And, and Lyles has <laughs> not shied away from world record talk. I think, you know, that's definitely something he is uh, chasing. Uh, when he goes out on the track um, and I think also later in the year this uh, this trailed Netflix documentary uh, in the world of athletics uh, that Noah Lyles is obviously going to be a big part of um, be a very interesting look into some of the behind the scenes what's going on um, and hopefully also uh, sort of widen the audience for the sport as well yeah definitely something I'm, I can't wait for I'm looking forward to that'll be really good and like you said you know definitely help the athletics get out there and to the wider audience you know you've seen that on other netflix shows dive, diving into different sports so yeah something to look forward to yeah for sure i mean yeah it's, it's brilliant for the sport that it gets this coverage um even in the u.s right we saw at the world championships in eugene in 2022 some relatively poor crowds um considering the quality and caliber of athletes that the u.s produces it's by no means even remotely close to a mainstream uh, sport so anything we can do to kind of grow the profile uh, of the sport and obviously these netflix documentaries with the potential audience um, and we've seen through things like Formula One's Drive to Survive and kind of other sports documentary series uh, that most recently the kind of Six Nations series um, in rugby um, can, can only be a good thing I think uh, for our sport. Yeah definitely and I love Noah Lars I think he's a great athlete and I also think he's a great person and he's got that great characteristics about him so yeah be excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah I, I think that's another important thing right as well is 
the sport is great, but personalities can also help make the sport and elevate it to, to a new level. We, we obviously had Usain Bolt, who was amazingly fast and set those world records, but it was also the kind of showmanship that he bought. Um, and, and that kind of slightly went missing for a while uh, after he sort of stepped away, away from the track. Um, and Nara Lyles is, is sort of really picking up that torch, um, which I think, you know, it, it's great. Right, as we promised, moving on to some field events. Starting with, I think, you know, this man is absolutely dominating this field at the minute. Um, Mondo Duplantis, wow, come on, he's just, yeah, miles ahead of the rest. Yeah, I mean, we talk about iconic big names in the sport at the moment and they don't get much bigger than than Mondo Duplantis, another man that has kind of seen it all, done it all, won it all already. Um, 6.02, his best this year slightly slow start to the season um but you know he's now looking his kind of uh ominous best uh you know after clearing that 602 stuck the the bar straight up to what would be a world record 624 um and his second second attempt was was pretty close so an ominous sign i think for the rest of the field of for what might be to come this year definitely definitely and who would you say are those just behind him maybe um trying to get that all-important six-metre mark. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think just behind him is probably over-optimistic, and that's that's not to discredit the other athletes, but more a reflection on how good Mondo is uh, at his best. I mean, the sort of the heights that it takes now to win these major medals are much, much gr- sort of greater than they were five, ten years ago. Uh, in terms of the kind of chasing pack, the Americans are obviously all, always pretty strong, uh, Chris Nielsen, Sam Kendricks, um, but also in recent years we've seen uh, Ernest John Obiena from the Philippines, a uh, sort of new nation or one we don't see very much um, in, in track and field, which is also great for the sport. Talk about Obiena, you know, seeing him in Budapest and, you know, when it gets to that six metre mark, I feel like there's, he kind of hits some kind of wall or it's there's something there that he can't quite get over and, you know, we, we wanted to get over and, I feel like he's got it in him to get over, but it's always that big question mark for him. Can he get over six metres? You know, he got it last year um, in Bergen, six bang on, but can he get over it? Yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely some something psychological about the six metre barrier, not not just for Obiena, um, but perhaps because he's been so close to it so many times, um, we notice it more with him um he should now have the confidence that he can do it because as you say he he has done it previously we have historically seen him abort quite a lot of attempts when it gets to that sort of six meter mark um but you know hopefully he now has that confidence um and can kind of do it on a more regular basis yeah the planters leading the way and then we've got an interesting set of places behind him to see who can get into those medals maybe and and what the pack order will be towards, you know, get to the Olympics. Definitely. And I think also we haven't mentioned that the French, the, the French traditionally very good pole vaulters as well, and Thibaut Collet has made strides this this indoor season. Um, we'll be there in the mix. So a little bit of a gap from the first place to those below the men's pole vault. But moving on to the women's pole vault, Wow, it is heating up nicely. Seven women cleared, 4.8. You know, this is looking like a really good event. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, 480 is is up there, um, pretty pretty good height, and we've got seven women already over that, um, and really closely bunched together. So the world lead uh, is 486 uh, from from Molly Cordry, who's really burst onto the scene. Um, well, the, the last couple of years, but this off season in particular, um, back in that 486 from Ruin up with a 485 in Birmingham and a 483 uh, in Val de Roy. But they're really kind of stacked and poised right behind a, a whole host of uh, incredibly talented uh, pole vaulters. You know, we've got Eliza McCartney at 4.84 in Lavin. Again, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Eliza McCartney, another fantastic pole vaulter in 484. Um, as always, strong American contingent, uh, our Olympic champion, Katie Moon. Supporting cast from America, Sandy Morris, always there or thereabouts, has gone 482 already this year. Uh, and another fantastic athlete that sort of emerged uh, this season, Bridget Williams, jumping 483 uh, in Clermont Ferrand and also over 481 uh, in Blacksburg in a meet back in uh, Virginia in the US. Uh, and another strong North American, uh, Alicia Newman, also jumping uh, for 483. Another name that's up there is Murto from Finland. Um, the 4.81 in Kortan. Um, You know, she's consistently pretty good, always in the mix and up there. And, you know, year in, year out, she always performs, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I think she's another one that's clearly in the mix uh as we've said seven women separated by six centimeters it, it really is who's going to bring it on the day at the moment like you wouldn't want to call that you'd be a pretty brave person to go and put a bet on on that one but makes it really exciting and fascinating as, as we go into the season yeah especially with you know the men's um bowl vault we have you know we there's a bit of excitement who could maybe come second and third and close to close to that but I think the women's is wide open and I think like you said whoever turns up on the day and really puts everything together and performs well is is going to take it yeah and it's just exciting that these women are all going to kind of push each other on and to think about what heights we might be seeing as we get into the the outdoor season already talking you know 486 is is not messing around um it's been a while since we've had anyone um at five meters so let, let, let's see what, what we get to come the outdoor season. Staying with the crash mats and <laughs> bringing it a bit more lower to the ground, the high jump, um, the women's high jump, um, Mahukic um, getting a 2.04 in Cottbus. Yeah, so uh, Yaroslav Mahucic opened her season uh, with a 2.04 out in uh, Germany um, in Cottbus. Uh, and, you know, a fantastic season opener, so already laying down a bit of a marker um not had an all her own way though this year in the kind of world lists uh obviously it's already the outdoor season down under uh, and nicola olaslagas has, has started well with a 203 out in canberra uh both of those jumps for both mahuchik and olaslagas were uh in late january each competed again in february you know still good results but not quite uh, matching their season openers, uh, Mahuchik went two meters in the the World Indoor Tour meet out in New York, and Olaslagas went one ninety nine in a Continental Tour meet um, in Melbourne. Um, so not quite been able to to recreate that form, but still both looking pretty good and pretty solid as we head into into the rest of the season. Another name maybe to mention is Distin in the um, SEC Champs getting a two. 
Yeah, so two metres, obviously, kind of the the gold standard, I suppose, uh, in women's high jump and Lamar Distin. Uh, yeah, so out in those SEC championships where we saw uh, Morales Williams break the 400 metre world record. Another great result there um, for Lamar Distin, jumping two metres um, and putting herself kind of right there or thereabouts behind uh, Mahuchik and Olaslagas in the world list. Yeah, so we'll see if they can maybe improve a bit on that early start to the season and see what they've got later this year. Um, maybe a name to mention is Patterson. Not doing quite as well as last year. Her form not been that great. Yeah, so Eleanor Patterson looked a bit inconsistent so far uh, this year. Not perhaps had the results um, that, that she would have hoped for. Um, you know, it, it's it's early days. You never know how these athletes are in terms of kind of their, their training cycle, whether they're tapering for competitions, uh, etc. Um but looks like a little bit more work to do relative to some of the other um, big names going going into the outdoor season. So, you know, we'll we'll see how how she goes in the months ahead. But um, not not quite there with with the big names just yet. Cool. Moving on to something that might have a bit a bit of sign of life now: the triple jump, men's triple jump. Yeah. So I mean, you know, take it with a pinch of salt when we say signs of life. They're still incredible athletes but relative to other events and some of the kind of drama we'd seen the men's triple jump perhaps has been one that's been a little bit under the radar um over recent years uh, and perhaps not quite the level of competition at the front um picardo and um uh, hughes uh, zango have kind of had it all their own way um for for a few years now but it looks like there's some uh, competition coming in the form of uh, Diaz Hernandez jumping 1761 uh, out in Turin and Diaz Fortune running, uh, running, jumping even 1752 in that World Indoor Tour meet uh, in Madrid. A bit of both, a bit of running, a bit of jumping really. Is, Run you know, and jump, hop, skip, jump, <laughs> yep, have a go at it all. The Diaz is then um, leading that way and yeah, we're excited to see what they can do this year and you know how far they can jump. So yeah, that should be one to watch I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, both both athletes uh, in the process of transferring their allegiance uh, to, to Italy and Spain, respectively. Uh, so not eligible to compete in the World Indoors in Glasgow, um, but will very much be focusing on on the outdoors in Paris when they will be eligible to compete for, the, for their new countries. Uh, and looks like it could be uh, quite a hotly contested event by the time we get there. Staying in the sand pit, <laughs> we uh, move on to the long jump. Um, Tara Davis Woodhull um, doing really well in the women's long jump. Yeah, so you know uh, the, the longest jump in the world since 2019, I would say, is doing pretty well. Uh, she jumped seven meters 18 out in uh, Albuquerque in those US trials, uh, the longest in the world since uh, Malika Mahambo of Germany's 7:30 back in uh, 2019. Uh, so really, really laying down a marker. Um, and at the moment is ahead on the world uh, sort of top list for the long jump by by quite a long way. I think it's probably fair to say that below Tara Davis, the rest of the event hasn't quite come alive yet um, this year. Um, so the rest are going to have to kind of go some um, to catch up if if Tara Davis can take that uh, take that form into the the rest of the season. And um, we love Tara, don't we? What a, what character? What what personality? She always brings you know a bit of energy to you know, the event and and wherever, wherever the meet is or whatever's going on, she's always there having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to see people enjoying 
the sport because I think it's you know it becomes quite infectious and is a way of getting other people to to watch and enjoy the sport. Um, yeah, I mean, I think great that she enjoys it. Um, great that yeah, she, she's a character. She, as we were talking about earlier with Noah Lyles, is a personality um, that helps attract and bring sort of new viewers and, and audiences to the sport as well. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully that also kind of rubs off on some of the other athletes and we start to see a bit more of that. From the sandpit to the cage, <laughs> we're moving on to the shot put. Um, men's shot put, getting tasty, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of been the same old story for a few years now. It's It seems to have just been tasty for constantly for the past sort of few seasons um, and this year looks no different already for men uh, at over 22 metres including inevitably top of the pile already uh, Ryan Krauser with a, a monster throw out in Albuquerque to, to kind of really kick his season off. Yeah leading there by quite a way in you know relative to the shot but Fabry getting a 22 metres 37 in Lavant. Yep, uh, so yeah, four men over 22, as we say, Leo van uh, Fabry throwing out 22.37, puts him second on the list behind Krauser's 22.80. Uh, so as you say, 43 centimetres back, um, quite a bit in shot put terms, um, but but still great throw. Um, and not far behind Fabry, t- two men joint, tied third at the moment on the list, um, 22.16. Uh, Tom Walsh, a name that's always there or thereabouts in the shot put, uh, second in that competition in Lievan behind Fabry, uh, throwing 22-16. Uh, and just, just this week, joining him at 22-16 in Madrid, uh, we saw Rajendra uh, Campbell. So, yeah, a, a really fascinating uh, competition. A, a great mix of nations and continents there. Really exciting event. OK, next, moving on to... One of your favourite events is the heptathlon. Um, we've got Ken Mullins currently leading the uh, world lead at the minute with 6,340 points um, in Illinois at the end of January. Yeah, so uh, quite open in the Maltese on the men's side uh, with the sort of big guns missing the indoor season. Uh, Kevin Mayer not competing indoors ahead of his home Olympics uh, and also the Canadians. Uh, Damian Warner and Pierce Lepage uh, yet to compete indoors this season. Uh, Ken Mullings has taken full advantage of that. Uh, the man from the Bahamas has been steadily improving over the last couple of years uh, and tops the pile this year just ahead of some some good scores. Uh, from the European contingent as well, uh, Sander Scottheim sits second in the rankings with his 6,281 uh, points score in Tallinn. We've also got Ehammer and Gletti um, in the Orbier um meets with Ehammer getting six thousand two hundred and forty two points and Gletti getting six thousand two hundred and thirty points. Um is there any others that we should be aware of? Uh yeah perhaps one other notable one uh from the US so Leo Neugebauer uh, the German competing out there in the collegiate system uh posted a six thousand two hundred and nineteen point score in Albuquerque. Uh Neugebauer obviously had a breakthrough out on the international scene Last year with a good showing in Budapest, looks in, in pretty good early season form as well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be following the heptathlon and other Maltese through through the season because they deserve a bit of love. Absolutely. They don't necessarily get the exposure of, of some of the other events. Uh, it's not like you can squeeze a, a heptathlon or decathlon into a two-hour Diamond League programme, so we don't always see those athletes, um, but, but good that we showcase them. Um, you know, In some ways, they're the most talented of the lot. 
you know, brilliant long jumpers, throwers, sprinters, then go and run a 1500 meters at the end of it all. Um, so it's so good to recognize them too. Definitely. They've got it all, haven't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Best in the world. Moving outside, we've got a bit of men's discus. Um, Travis Smickle, world lead currently with a 67.57. Um, any others that we should be aware of? Yeah, so obviously they can't throw discus inside, um, but there are a couple of uh, outdoor meetings already uh, in the books, particularly down under. Um, we've seen some close battles between the Kiwi, Connor Bell, uh, and Australia's Matt Denny, uh, both already throwing over 65 metres uh, three times. Connor Bell marginally ahead at the moment with a, a best of 65.93 to Matt Denny, 65.79. Um, but both of those, along with Smickle, as you say, uh, uh, posting some really good early season marks. Brilliant. And as someone quite new to the sport, obviously I don't know everyone inside out, but some big names, you know, that I do know. And how's Shay doing? Is he throwing well? Yeah, so Christian Shea is one of the uh, few sort of big European names that has already competed this year. Uh, and he opened with a 65-72 in a meeting in Berlin. So not setting the world on fire, but a really solid uh, early season opener. Obviously, we don't know quite where he's at with his training, um, but posting a, a good good mark already. Um, we're obviously yet to see uh, the big other Europeans, uh, Daniel Stahl from Sweden or, or the strong Lithuanian contingent with uh, Elekna and Gudzius, but set set to be a good year again based on the early season marks we're seeing. Okay, then I think that kind of wraps up Briefly, anyway, that's what's happened so far um, in the indoor season and a bit bit of the stories outside of it. Yeah, so obviously that's a whistle-stop tour we've tried to cover in this first podcast episode, sort of everything that's happened so far to get us up to date. And now we'll start looking looking ahead. So we'll hopefully do two more episodes um, in the run-up to the World Indoor Championships. We'll bring you a track event uh, preview podcast and then also a field event preview podcast where we'll do some predictions and run through the start lists for those champs in Glasgow. Uh, and then obviously post-championships, uh, do a bit of a recap and look ahead to the outdoor season. Yeah, definitely. I think those two episodes will give us a bit more time to go a bit more in depth um, about the competition and each event and a bit more about the athletes competing. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for sticking with us at our first go at this uh, and we'll be back soon. Thank you very much. Cheers.